What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh. This is the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, uh, reflect on them, pray with them, study them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is actually helpful for you and your walk toward eternity. I-, I would encourage you and invite you to please hit me with your own questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats so that other people can find out about the show. If the show is helpful for you, then potentially it can be helpful for them as well. Today's topics, uh, we're going to talk about tattoos. Just like a tattoo, hey, I'll always love you. We're also going to talk about the MAGA hats, the Make America Great Again hats, and the Covington controversy at the March for Life this year. And finally, we're going to talk about working with priests at a parish and the messiness of some of our priests in our parishes and uh, just the dynamics that go with being on staff. Before we get jumping into today's topics, I want to share with you a glory story. A glory story this week, um, it, it comes from just a beautiful encounter um, I, I was able to have with um, with someone who was able to to find freedom. Right after after many years of just living in shame that was that was brought upon this person because of sins of other people, this person was finally able to find freedom because they were able to bring that which was in the darkness, that which was hidden for so many years, into the light, and uh, not only into the light in prayer, but also um, in counseling as well, and so. My glory story is that freedom is real. Freedom is so real. And I really want to encourage you, if if there's something that's happened to you in your life um, at the hands of someone else, um, please, first and foremost, bring it to the light to Jesus in prayer. Bring it to the light to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. We, we call adoration exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, where Christ exposes himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity to us in prayer. And his invitation is for us to expose our hearts to him as well, right? To expose our hearts to him so he can heal us. But also to, to go further, the Lord wants to heal us through people. And there are people who are able and equipped to walk with us and accompany us through counseling, Um and also through sacraments and just other just other ways as well. And so I just want to encourage you, if, if you have been living um, just in shame for a long time, bring it to the light. Right? Bring it to the light to Christ in prayer and then to particular members of the body of Christ. Not to just anybody because some people can't reverence. They're not capable of reverencing us, but to... To really discern with Christ, who is it that I could go to? Is it my priest, a religious, a counselor, a spiritual director, someone, so that I can continue to experience the healing power of Christ? Because, man, y'all, it was so beautiful. It's so beautiful to watch Christ heal his people. So, anyways, it's a simple, simple glory story, but my heart is just, uh, my heart is pierced open. It was so profound. So, praise God. All right. And uh, before we get into today's topics, I have a few follow-up posts from some of our previous episodes. First one comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous writes this, God bless Father Josh. I was listening to your podcast 
uh, your last episode, and that segment struck me at exactly the right time in my life. I'm going through a similar situation as the individual that wrote in. I've been with my girlfriend for over six years. I grew up in a very Catholic home, whereas my girlfriend has roots in the Catholic faith. However, since her parents divorced when she was only seven years old, she has stopped going to church. She did have a revival of faith in high school, which was when we met by attending an evangelical celebration type church. But she had a falling out with her peers at that church and hasn't really attended since. I've always attended Catholic mass. And though I may have struggled with my faith, such is the meaning of Israel after all. I'm not sure why I hadn't earlier attempted to bring her into the church. Throughout the span of our relationship, we haven't practiced chastity, despite the Holy Spirit sending arrows to my soul, letting me know it was sin. She has proposed that I move in with her a few months ago, and I figured I was okay with the move until the day of having to sign the lease arrived. I believed that by the grace of the Holy Spirit, I was stunned on that morning, and I told her I could not sign that lease until we figured out where we were in our spiritual bond. This led to a couple of weeks of hard discussions, tears, and propositions to go to church with me. I had prayed the rosary a number of times for guidance, and I really felt the rains of grace pour over me in those moments. Also, in that time, I had come across the Ascensions Presents YouTube channel, where I put in hours watching the likes of Father Mike give guidance. We had attended Mass the last two Sundays, and I can sense she feels a little out of place there. Having heard this segment really made me reflect on what I want from my spouse and my future. I hope to share the clip with her. However, I'm not sure she'll be willing to yield. She's still quite fixated on me moving in with her despite my retorts that I want to do things the right way in the eyes of the church and to know that our spiritual bond is strong before we make a, take a massive step like that together. Father Josh, pray for me. I need the blessing and the grace to do as is God's will. Anonymous. Well, Anonymous, I, I will pray for you. I have been praying for you. And first of all, I, just, I praise God for Father Mike and for the Ascensions Presents team for um, being able to accompany you through those videos and, and help you to grow um, as well. Uh, bottom line is, man, look, <laughs> I too recommend Dating Detox for you and your girlfriend as well. Kevin and Lisa Cotter, it's a great book. I sincerely recommend that y'all read that and pray with that together um, as you continue your walk toward eternity. And remember, authentic love is desiring the greatest good for the beloved. Authentic love would never move in before marriage. Um, so just keep that in mind. And finally, we have one more follow-up feedback from uh, Brad and Caitlin. Uh, I think y'all might remember them from a while back. They were journeying together. They were wondering what to do about their honeymoon. And they actually left us a voice memo to let us know about their experience of married life so far. Check it out. Hey, Father Josh, this is Brad. And Caitlin. You may remember us from asking back in July about how to discern being fertile on our honeymoon. We just wanted to give you a brief update on our lives. We're pregnant! We are very excited. Uh, we did indeed conceive our first child on our honeymoon, uh, who is expected to be born uh, sometime in May. Um, we're very, very excited uh, and beyond thrilled um, with this incredible blessing. He's already been much more of a blessing than we could have possibly imagined, uh, even being across the country from all of our uh, family and connections. We just wanted to give you, uh, you and your listeners, uh, all of our gratitude for all of the prayers that we've definitely felt uh, over the past several months. We're very, very grateful for um, all of those connections and the uh, assistance that we've been able to receive from this podcast over the last several months. 
We just want to say thank you for encouraging us to be open to life. It's truly been the best decision of our marriage so far. And you're just absolutely, absolutely wonderful. And we just love you so much. God bless you guys. All right. Praise Jesus Christ. Brad and Caitlin, I'm so excited for y'all, man. God is doing amazing, beautiful things for the two of you in your walk toward eternity. On to today's questions. First question comes in from Marisa. Marisa says this, tattoos. My mom and I both kind of want to know your take on them. I've done a lot of research on tattoos and whether or not they're considered a sin. A lot of people bring up Leviticus 19.28. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. But I feel like people take that out of context. A lot of articles that I've read say that it was meant by evil tattoos like skulls and pentagrams, for example. If your tattoo has a meaning, it wouldn't be a sin. Is that true? A great question, Marisa. So, yeah, I'm not so sure that people tattooed skulls on their bodies and pentagrams back in the day, uh, but the context was something that we should take into account. Uh, The passage was from Leviticus, and it was written specifically for people who were Canaanites, who, because they did not really believe in the afterlife, they would lacerate themselves, and they would tattoo their loved ones um, in in memory uh, of them because they did not believe in an afterlife. The tattoos were very harmful back then. The lacerations were deadly. And so they could also cause their bodies harm. And remember, they were creating the image of God. Um, and so we got to keep into account the actual context. That same, uh, that same passage from Leviticus also talks about um, piercing one's ears and cutting one's bangs. And certainly we know a lot of Christians who have their ears pierced and who get haircuts, right? So it can't be something that we... Um, that we just universally say, oh, well, tattoos must always be wrong. That was the context. Um, and specifically, this particular law was also ceremonial. It was a ceremonial law, and as Christians, we no longer have to follow ceremonial laws, um, which include like circumcision and, and certain dietary rules. Um, because of Christ, those laws are no longer applicable to us. So that's the first thing that we need to take into account. So can we get tattoos, though? Is it moral? Right? I think it just depends. Uh, first of all, we have to keep in, the, keep in mind the, the reality of the Ten Commandments, one of which is honor your mother and your father. And so if one's mother and father say don't do it, we, gotta, we have to respect that. We have to reverence that. At the same time, um, objectively speaking, tattoos are not bad, right? Um, tattoos are just coloring your skin. Uh, women put color on their skin all the time. Every time they go get a, a tan or they put uh, makeup on, they're coloring their skin. Tattoos are just a little bit more permanent, but not even necessarily so because we can remove tattoos now. And so uh, to just color your skin is not bad in and of itself. Now, what you put on your skin might be bad. If you put 666 or the devil or something satanic or something um, that is objectifying women or men, that could be bad. But if you're just decorating your body with color like women do all the time with makeup, um, there's nothing objectively wrong with doing that. Also, though, keep in mind, you you don't want to put something on your body that you're going to regret later on. And so um, even though you can get it removed, it costs a lot of money. And so you got to keep in mind uh, that as well. Like, do I really want to spend this amount of money removing something that I did when I was you know, younger or something like that? Father Mike has a really good example of wearing a T-shirt with whatever it is that you think that tattoo would be. And if you get tired of that, then don't do it. Uh, but if you really like it, then uh, pray and discern about doing it. Also, be careful, though, because some tattoo artists, here's something spiritual, um, some tattoo artists are into the occult. 
And whenever they give people tattoos and blood is shed during tattoos, right, because they're cutting your skin in, in minor ways, they, they could put a curse on you. And so you got to be careful with who's a tattoo artist as well, right, because um, some tattoo artists are solid and they're beautiful people and they're holy and they're disciples. Some tattoo artists are not. And so just be careful about who you go to as, as well um, when it comes to getting a tattoo. Tattoos can be um, good for evangelization at times because they can be conversation starters. And so someone might say, tell me about your tattoo. And there you can evangelize and share how Jesus Christ was the inspiration and you desire for them to come to the sacraments and whatever, right? So they're not bad in and of themselves. I do think that one needs prudence before making a decision to get a tattoo, though. So hopefully that was helpful, Marisa. And um, let me know. Just hit me up at AskFatherJosh at AssistantPress.com and and, uh, and follow up with me about if that was good advice or not. Next question comes in from Teresa. Teresa, oh man, Teresa is... The best song on Adria Side's new CD. Uh, the best song. It's, she says, Jesus, I need you. Lover, don't leave me. Did you call my name just to plunge me deep into the darkness? Do you know that I can't even hear your voice? <laughs> I can't sing. My name is not Audrey Asai, but yo, Teresa is probably the best song. I've, I mean, can you imagine what Mother Teresa went through the dark night? <laughs> 50 years. Jesus, take the will. All right, so this is what Teresa says. Hi, Father Josh. My boys and I are enjoying the podcast so much. We love how you keep it real. Praise God. Keep it real. This would be so controversial, so I'm not sure if you can talk about it. Hey, look, Teresa, I ain't scared of no controversy, but... I feel comfortable enough to ask you. So what place do you feel MAGA hats have at the March for Life? I'm, of course, talking about the Covington Catholic students. How do Catholic teachings align with the Make America Great campaign? If this is not ready for prime time, I'd love to hear your thoughts one-on-one. My boys are having a hard time with this, Teresa. Well, Teresa, that is a, a great question, and I am never one to shy away from controversy. So let's just jump right on in. Um, so first of all, Let's talk about the context of the March for Life. I've gone to the March for Life 10 years in a row. I've taken, um, with my diocese of Baton Rouge, we take about 500 high school students. It's very powerful. We have adoration every night, praise and worship, confessions, mass every day. We pick up Nashville Dominican sisters, and about 20 of those sisters ride on the bus with us. We take like 10 or 11 buses. We um, have like 10 priests, 20 seminarians, a whole crew of holy lay people, single and married um, divorced, widowed, um, but just it's it's an amazing group that we take these high school students on for the entire week. This beautiful pilgrimage where we go to the Holocaust uh, Museum and and just do a bunch of really cool cool things to help them encounter Jesus and to cultivate a culture of life within them. Now, one of the things that we have to do when we go on the March for Life trip, and that most groups do, is we have to wear a certain kind of hat. Um, we wear beanies that have March for Life written on them. And they're white caps, 
um, that distinguish us from every other group. Whenever New Orleans started their March for Life um, after Baton Rouge, they continued this tradition and they wear purple beanies. And then Lafayette wears like, you know, red or whatever. Each diocese has a color that they wear to help distinguish their kids from other kids, from other people, from other adults. That way, whenever we're marching with hundreds of thousands of other people who are also supporting the pro-life movement, uh, we can distinguish our kids from them and keep our kids safe from getting lost um, as we are in a new area that is not our own home. So that's the context behind why these kids from Covington Catholic High School were wearing red hats, right, to separate them, distinguish them from other people. Now, make America great again hats. Was that okay? Uh, no, right? Um, if, if you are an individual Catholic, can you wear that? Sure. As an individual, you can do whatever you want, right? Freedom. But as a Catholic high school, these kids were representing their high school, which is a part of a diocese, which represents the universal Catholic church. And so it would never be okay for any Catholic school, which represents the Catholic diocese, which represents the Catholic church, to ever, in, under any circumstance, promote a person or a political party. So we need to keep that in mind, that these kids were on an official trip representing the Catholic Church. It is never okay for any Catholic to ever, on an official witness institution, to ever promote a political party or a particular person of that political party. And so again, as an individual, you can do whatever you want. But these kids were not going to the March for Life as individuals. They were going as representatives from their diocese. Now, I don't blame the kids. Right? As a Catholic priest, I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon of all these people who started jumping down the kids' throats and doing these tweets about the kids. I mean, there were so many Catholic bishops, priests, um, religious, and even lay faithful who are active in ministry, who many of us know and follow on Twitter, who began to write posts against these little high school kids. Why was that inappropriate? Well, because it wasn't—the the kids are kids. They had chaperones who should have been the ones to monitor what they were wearing— who are the chaperones? Who are the teachers? Who are the professors? Who are the youth ministers that allowed their students to wear those hats? And it wasn't all their students, but some of their students to wear those hats. The kids should not be the focus of the conversation. It's the teachers who should have been the focus. You know, whenever we take our kids from the Diocese of Baton Rouge, we are very, very protective of them in everything that they do. We don't allow them to talk to anybody that's not with our group because we have to protect them because of safe environment codes. Right, Safe environment's a real thing, and we want to protect our kids from a potential um, person who may harm them. And so there is no discussions with our high school students and other people on the March for Life. Right, We have so many chaperones watching out for our kids, protecting them from any unnecessary conversations, but we also monitor what they wear. We monitor their dress code, and we make sure they're wearing our hats that we provide for them as a diocese. So my issue is with the chaperones who allow these students to wear something that they should not have worn as an institution. Individually, if they were going by themselves, they could do whatever they want, right? That's freedom. But as an institution, we cannot do that. We cannot do that. And so I think the chaperones are the ones we should be calling out, not the students. And furthermore, I have an issue with how many of the students' faces were put on television and now they're being bullied. These are kids. These are children. And the media has just has completely attacked kids who before the whole story was even known, right? There was so much more to the story. Now, I'm not saying every kid was innocent because I'm sure there might have been some kids who were being disrespectful. 
But they weren't the only ones that were being disrespectful, right? There were other people who were disrespecting them, which, again, the chaperones should have never let happen. This all goes down to the leadership, not the students. The students should have been protected, and I don't understand how the media can get away with this with bullying these students because if anything bad happens to these students, um, the media is responsible for that. The media is responsible. And so are all the people who made comments a little bit too quickly on social media, who did not have and cultivate the virtue of prudence and temperance, right? <laughs> like, y'all, check yourselves. Check yourselves because these are kids that we're talking about. So that's that's what I have to say about the... Um, that's what I have to say about the MAGA hats and the Covington High kids, right? The kids are, they're kids, high school kids. Um, the, the issue comes down to the leadership. Who, who was responsible for these kids and why did they allow them to be put in a situation where they were in danger? That's my issue like that I have with that particular high school's leadership. Right? They need to check that. So um, let me know what y'all think. Uh, hit me up at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com with your follow-up. And uh, stay tuned. We're about to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into our final question about messy relationships between staff and priest. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you're feeling fancy, record a voice note. We will play it on a future show. And don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats out there so that people can find out about the show. Final question comes in from Margaret. Margaret. Marge. Margaret writes this, working with priests at a parish. Hello, Father Josh. Hello, Margaret. It's me. I was one. I'm joking. <laughs> Hello. Is it me you're looking for? So in previous episodes of your podcast, you mentioned a lot about your humility as a priest and that you are a human being with faults, too. OK, first of all, well, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, I definitely have a lot of faults. Um, I don't know how humble I am. <laughs> be humble. But I want to be. I do pray a little humility for sure. So I understand fully that priests aren't perfect. Priests are certainly not perfect. All right. Uh, but does there get to be a point where the priests step over the line when it comes to decisions regarding parishioners in their parish? Yes, Margaret. Yes. Okay, but I got to finish your question, though. I'm asking because my mom works at our parish as a religious education coordinator from my hometown parish, and she has been doing it for the past four or five years. Recently, she sent out an email asking someone, asking about someone trying to get rid of eggs. And I guess a parishioner complained to the priest that my mom had overstepped her boundaries. The priest then told my mom that she should consider using her talents elsewhere. This isn't the first time that she has gotten in trouble with the priest over petty things. About two years ago, another priest from the same society originally fired my mom via email over something little that she did. I think it was a disagreement with another parishioner who the priest favored. Eventually, my dad had to step in and talk to the priest about what happened. The priest let my mom have her job back. Then about a year later, my mom got into trouble again, and again, my, my dad had to come to her defense for a job. 
to give background information on my mom, she's not someone who is slacking or lazy. She always gives 110% to the parish, and she and my family have been supportive of the parish for the past 21 years. Technically, she is working a part-time job at the parish, but she is working more than 20 hours a week while also working a couple other part-time or seasonal jobs. I will admit, she's stubborn and sometimes likes to be in control of the reins regarding certain aspects, but she works hard at her job. I know that she has some disagreements and little arguments in the past with the priest, but she is someone who will speak her mind and doesn't want to be someone who is always having to agree with the priest's decisions. I know that when it comes to the sacraments and regarding the faith, of course, the priest should have the same. I know that I'm speaking from a daughter's point of view and what I've heard my parents talk about, but I don't believe that she should get fired over little arguments and disagreements with the priest. In addition, these disagreements deeply hurt her, dad, and us, her children, both in the past and what has happened recently. I like to say that I like the priest, but when these events happen, it takes a bit of my trust and respect for them. She and my dad do a lot for the parish, and sometimes I don't think the priest actually realize how much. I don't want to sound negative toward these priests either. They have done a marvelous job with the Sacrament of Reconciliation, making it available constantly, and have shown us the respect the Mass. My older brother wouldn't be currently in the seminary without these priests, but their lack of social and expressive skills have really hurt us. As a third party, and as another priest who I feel comfortable sharing this with, are all priests taught that their decision is the best one? Is it okay for a priest to fire someone over such little problems that can have other solutions, Margaret? All right, Margaret, great, great, great question. I'm so glad you asked. Um, first of all, just a few things in there. You said the priest sh- um, should have the final say with regards to the sacraments and all that jazz. Just a few stories. A priest can be wrong not only with decisions that we make with regards to the parish, but also with regards to the sacraments. I've had some priests before I've gone to confession to, and they've given the wrong form for the sacrament of reconciliation. Um, and also I've done mass with priests, can celebrate a mass with the priests who've said the wrong words for consecration. So sometimes priests even get the sacraments wrong too. So pray for our priests. Make sure we're praying for them and fasting for them. But with regards to priests, I think we're all in need of reform. I always tell people this all the time. If someone wants to compl- complain about me, like I'm okay with that because I know I'm broken, I'm imperfect, I'm a sinner, and there's always room for me to grow as an individual. And there's also room for our institutional church to grow as well and to be purified and be reformed. None of us are perfect, and none of us are going to be perfect until we're in heaven. And so we have to constantly look at our practices and our policies in our parish as well and find ways to reform those also, right? Like there might be a practice in somebody's parish or a policy stating that in order to be confirmed, you have to jump through all these hoops. And that's not okay, right? According to canon law, confirmation, the person needs to know what the sacrament is and they need to want the sacrament and be eligible to receive it. Um, and so if, if somebody meets those requirements, I don't think it's okay to tell someone because you didn't make enough service hours, you can't get confirmed. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous policy. So, um, Policies, practices in our institutions, they need to be reformed all the time, as do individuals. So with regards to your mom's circumstance, I don't know her. I don't know the priest. So it's really not appropriate for me to talk about what is really going on because I don't know the situation at all. I can say this, though. I'm going to tell you a story that came up when I prayed for y'all. Years ago, I was doing ministry, and there was an individual who I was working with in ministry who had a great heart and who dedicated a lot of time to the parish and who did a lot of great work for the community and was really invested and really zealous and had a lot of gifts that I acknowledge were good gifts. 
But what I was recognizing also was this person's gifts were not bearing supernatural fruit in the parish. And a lot of people in the parish were resistant to this one person and they felt rubbed the wrong way by this one person. And they started pulling back from the life of the parish because of this person, this person's personality um, was the issue. And so a lot of my people weren't receiving the gifts that were available because of this individual. And so after just praying a lot about it, I had to sit down with the individual and talk with the, with this person about going somewhere else. And I affirmed the person's gifts. I told the person, you have a lot of great gifts that I acknowledged I did not have. And I was grateful to be able to collaborate with them. But the reality was, is that that person's gifts were not being received at that time. And so I encouraged the person. I said, look, there might be another season where your gifts will be received by the people in this particular parish. And at that time, I would invite you to come back and to use your gifts then. But in this season, for whatever reason, your gifts are not being received by the people. And so I think it's just time for you to go elsewhere. And the person was like, wow, you really think I have a lot of gifts? And I was like, yeah. And the person left happily because they recognized that I confirmed in them what they were perceiving, which was that they had specific charisms of the Holy Spirit. But I also was able to evaluate the the people that we were called to serve as a team and that for whatever reason, the people were just not receiving this person's gifts, whereas in previous ministry experiences, the people were able to receive this person's gifts. And this season, they weren't. And so I don't know if that's what's going on with your mom and the priest. If two different priests have asked her to go at different times, it's not to say that your mom's bad or that your mom doesn't have gifts. It just might mean that those priests are discerning that her gifts aren't being... I guess, received well by members of the body of Christ in the parish at large at this time. But there might come a time in the future where her gifts will be received well or in a different capacity. So there's just so much going on. Could the priest be wrong in this whole situation and your mom be justified and she'd be right? Yeah, the priest. I know priests who've made terrible decisions as pastors, who've written terrible policies, who've treated people terribly, who did not listen well. Um, yeah, yes, the priest can be wrong on so many levels. Um but I don't know the situation. I just wanted to share that story with you. Um, and again, just because sometimes people don't work well together doesn't mean that they don't like the people. There are people in my life who um, who I don't like a lot, but who I work well with. Like there's a priest in a different diocese who I wouldn't say we're friends, um, but we have charisms that complement each other, and we are able to collaborate really well together. Then I have other priests um, who I like a lot, who I'm really cool with. But we don't work well together at all. But we like each other, you know. So um, it just might be one of those things where this just might not be the best place for her in this season if she's receiving that much resistance from her her pastor. Uh, so, and that's not to say she's the problem. It's just like right now, she's a good woman, and those priests are good priests, but they're they're just not good for each other um, and walking with each other potentially. That might be it. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Let me know what you think. And that's just my 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 thoughts that came up in prayer. So. I'm open to, to being challenged on that. Uh, let me know. Hit me up at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com and follow up with some advice for our listeners today. So that brings us to the, the end of today's show. Uh, here is some universal points uh, with regards to priests and parishes and working together. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. We're all broken. We're all a work in progress. And so uh, let's just pray for the grace to be able to see each other as God sees each other. When it comes to tattoos, remember that um, unless it's something that is going against honoring your parents or unless it's something that is 
you know, bad because of its, you know, it's sinful what you're putting on your body. Um, they're not necessarily bad, right? They could be, they're, it's, it's neutral, right? It, it could be good, it could be bad depending on what you put on your body, but it's just like makeup. You just, you just decorate in your body with color that can be removed with some money, you know, of course. And whenever it comes to our other question, which was the MAGA hats, just keep in mind we're Catholics before we are aligning ourselves with our political parties. We're disciples of Jesus before we are supporters of a particular person. And so while I think it is good to acknowledge the good that President Trump has done since he's been in office, um, and he has done some good um, since he's been in office, it is, it's not okay for an institution to back that person or that person's party because that person and his party have platforms that are anti-Catholic. And we cannot go against our church, right? We are disciples of Jesus. He founded a church, the Catholic Church. So we need to ride with that church and not with our political party before the church. So that's uh, today's show. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God, help me to see myself the way that you see me. God, help me to see others the way that you see them. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless. I can't wait to continue walking with you toward eternity. I will see you next week.